Are we recording? I thought we were already tracking. I kept calling when I was on a golf course. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And it's like, dude, I'm number eight in this entire company of 1,500 salespeople, and you're calling calling me to ask me what I'm doing with my time? That could have been your best college education over actual college. I hate to say it, but... If you're young out there, and if you can find a way to like get in it and go ahead and get your bad deal and your bad market out of the way early, then you've already d- been through that. I mean, Welcome to the Cashflow Bros Podcast, where three investors and realtors give you the inside scoop on everything investing in Birmingham, Alabama. What's up, everybody, to the Cashflow Bros Podcast. We got a special episode for you. Um, he's more than just a pretty face. Hard to believe. He's, a, he's an investor too. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you'll learn in 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 Jordan's past life that he he was a model and that's how he made most of his money. Definitely all of it for sure, um. no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about Jordan because you know on this podcast we've we've reached out to some friends, um, you know, and they've a lot of the feedback has been like. Let's let us get to know you guys too, because some people don't know their background stories, how we got into investing, how we got into being realtors, um, you know. And so we're just taking an episode um, every other week as we start this thing and kind of giving giving you a little bit of a rundown. So um, this week we are talking. We're going to kind of talk through Jordan's life story from when he was a wee baby on. So just just go. Just wee baby. Give us the syn- wee baby. So it was uh, February 28th of 1990. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Do you, are you serious you were born in the 90s? Yeah. You're going to make me feel so old. I swear you would be an 80s baby. Like I'm it's 83. The gray, it's the gray mm. in my beard that would make you think that. Golly. Um, Rob, no. you were born in the, oh, in just the wait. 90s. You got twins on the way. Wait for the grace oh, to come. This is You're about just getting to, started. The, the hair's going to fall off the head. That's why I wear a hat all the time. I just accept it. Rob, when were you born? 88. Okay. So I don't feel super old. No, you're not. Just old. And I would say to all in my in my group of friends that I have here, I'm the youngest of all of the friends that I made in college. So you're an old soul. So I'm just an old soul, man. You know, it's just easy to get along with me. That's pretty much, that's pretty much all there is to it. That's awesome. Um. But no, um, you know, when it comes to uh, uh, real estate and and actually how I got started here, it seems like my whole time up here in Birmingham all started at Auburn because I'm from Georgia. So, you know, I had the opportunity to go to UGA, but I didn't go because I wanted to leave home and go away from my parents um, and do my own thing. My parents said that's totally fine. But the thing is, is if you go out of state, you're on your own. Like, you got to figure out how to pay for everything. You got to figure out how to pay for school and all of that. So I said, okay, no problem. I'll figure it out. So I joined. Easy. I mean, easy. <laughs> easy. Well, and, and also I just had learned I just don't spend money. Right. So it's a lot easier when you're – when I'm, I was totally willing and happy to stay in a trailer for $100 a month as long as I was getting done what I needed to get done. Right. You know? And if you go into it with that mindset, it's a lot easier to make it. It's harder when you got a family because everybody wants a nice roof over their head and um, all of those things. But um, I didn't have that mentality. So I uh, joined the ROTC when I went down to Auburn. I had plans on – the original plans was – this is going to sound kind of weird, but the original plan was to be a uh, Black Hawk helicopter pilot. 
And you got to be a commissioned officer to do the Army to do that. So you joined the ROTC? So I joined the Army, ROTC. um, And they pay for a full ride for everything. They pay you a $300 month stipend. They pay for uh, your books. They pay for your uh, school because they don't care in-state, out-of-state. You know, they have agreements with universities for that, um, which was great. Um, And so I went down to Auburn, started doing all that, and then – about halfway through, you know, probably after the first semester, uh, got tired of having to wake up at five in the morning and shave my beard every single day. Um, cause I get razor burning. If you see me, I've had this beard for a long time, so I don't look great as a baby face. Um, and so I decided it wasn't for me. They kept telling me what to do. And I was like, I, I think we can do this better guys. And if there's anything the army people don't like, Hearing is being told what to do. Is, yeah. is, is being told we're going to do it differently because it's their way or the highway. So luckily I got out of that, um, met all my friends and I bring it to Auburn because my first actual investment property was my house in Auburn, found a roommate that was went to my high school and he paid 85% of my mortgage at the time. Okay. Um, and so stayed there. And then kept that house. That was 08. I bought that about six months before the housing market crashed. Mm. So I bought that property for, I think it was 127000 at the mm-hmm. time. Um, and then the market crashed. And about six months later, they were selling for eighty six. How'd you get the loan? Like- My parents co-signed it oh, okay, with yeah. me. So that was the one thing they said, look, when you graduate, you're paying everything on your own. You got to figure out, figure out how to pay for everything. But when you graduate, we're not going to get you a graduation gift. This is your... Oh yeah, right. graduation gift. And my dad had been doing rental properties for my whole life. Oh, yeah. So, you know, his whole life, he'd only seen property go yeah. up. So oh, he yeah. was like, you're going to stay here for four years. You're not going to have to pay anything, get a roommate. When you leave, you make whatever the money is that you make on the difference. Right. And you'll be golden. Yeah. Well, and then six months later came and they were selling for $50,000 less than what I bought it for. You said, Dad, you lied to I me. I said, you, uh, you SOB, you got me, you know. <laughs> you can graduate college with a short sale. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can, yeah. So when I actually graduated, it was 2013, I took the, I took you the long lap. You can graduate college with a short sale. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. He was like, here's the crash course for uh, investing. You're going to learn how to do a short sale. That's your yeah. first one. Um, and, so you uh, held on to it, right? So I held on to it because there was no option. I mean, even when I graduated, in 2013 they were still only selling for about 115 right 120 ish so still a little i was going to lose money on it mm. <laughs> what a graduation present um and so i kept it for two years and i rented it out to tenants when i moved um up here and that went well for the first tenant and the second tenant was a nightmare yeah her whole family died i'm pretty sure when mm. it came time to pay rent Mm. uncles, brothers, cousins. Yeah. It was always something new. So I had to go through the eviction process while I was up here trying to handle that down there. Mm-hmm. Um, finally got her out of their cash for keys situation. I think I gave her like 500 bucks or something to just Yeah, to pay leave. for the funeral costs. Yeah, for the funeral costs for <laughs> an entire family. Um, I learned how important background checks are. Didn't do it very well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was, what, 23 or something I trying mean, to make this work complete nightmare yeah so finally uh 2015 rolled around uh and i sold it and we sold it for one hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars. wow so after realtor fees and all that i lost probably like six grand so but like what's interesting is 
you know, you hear sometimes people losing on their first deal, even second deal. Mm-hmm. But the amount of education you Ooh. learn from it. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously you have your dad still kind of being like, hey, it's not all bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that even, I mean, that could have been your best college education over actual college. I hate yeah, to say it. I but. didn't go to many classes, so I would agree. <laughs> I would agree wholeheartedly. I did not graduate with honors. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was a school of hard knocks situation. Yeah, that's and, a tough one. And, for and sure. it, it was mm-hmm. tough. But anyways, we got out of it, came up here, bought my first house with my wife, um, started working in sales, been working in sales. Um, and as we kept growing our little family, um, opportunities arose to buy other properties and, you know, the market just is continually going up like a normal appreciation. And so we've moved since we got married and before every two years, almost, almost to the day, Yeah, every single time, as soon as you hit that capital gains, mm-hmm. no capital gains taxes, most closings were a day after the that are requirement. We're upgrading. That's what happens every time. <laughs> And you said you, we talked about this a little bit last week. You made a pretty good sum on your um, one in uh, Shades or not. In Bluff Park. Bluff Park. Yeah. Thank yep, you. Yep. Was that your second or third house here in Birmingham? Uh, that would be my second. It was your second. Second. Home. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. And that one was nice just because I did a lot of the work myself, yep. which, you know, sweat equity, what's it worth? It's worth a lot if you don't keep up with your time, right? Yep. You know, weekends and that kind of stuff. Um, and that just jumped as soon as we sold that house. I mean, we had, you know, I don't know, a hundred grand. Yeah. Maybe I think we made like 120 off of it. So my question is you've, you've kind of, you're early on, you were involved in real estate, but did you actually have the real estate bug at that point? Or were you just kind of like, these are circumstances and things that are happening to me. I'm figuring out like, at what point did you be like, man, I want to do this. I would say probably the day I saw that Zillow listing for that property on Park Avenue in 2019, and I saw how much the property value had gone up in the area that I was in per square foot, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, there's something to this. If you can buy a lot of property, you yeah. can you can not have to be on a sales call every Friday. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Todd's knocking something over again. Todd's <laughs> knocking something over. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, that's... There we go. I think another thing about your story that I've kind of seen a lot is, like, you took your licks early. Like, if you can... If you're young out there and if you sure. can find a way to, like, get in it and go ahead and get your bad deal and your bad market out of the way sure. early, then you've already been through that. I mean, there's, you don't have to worry about how bad it can get or what that was the worst can go wrong. It's already happened. And most then, people would stop. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most people would do. just be like, I've lost all this money. I'm out of this. Yeah. yeah. Real estate doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. That's what they would say. Mm-hmm. And there was a time there that I thought that also. Yeah. Good thing you're not most people, but I'm not most people. And I just got tired of being on sales calls. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I made good money doing that. It's not right. like it's a bad thing. I mean, I did have some autonomy onto what I was, you know, what my schedule looked like, but it's not true freedom. If you got to be on a phone call and somebody's calling you to update your CRM three times a week and just constant, constant, constant. So, so you're kind of in sales, you're, you're in your third or fourth, third house at this point. And you're Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I want to move into full-time real estate as a realtor. Yep. Um, you'd, 
so you started that like crash course and then you kind of got connected with Rob on sales calls. And- yep. Yep. I got, I got connected with Rob through a friend from college, Carly. Um, and we went and had lunch and I told him my situation and he called me when I was getting ready to quit with zero idea of what I was actually going to do. I've just learned that you just got to jump off the cliff. I mean, I think we sold that house, had a baby and moved within a 30 day period. So I quit my job in the middle of all of that. And it was all within it. 30 days. <laughs> that's, and that's, that's, that's the only way to do it. If you jump without a parachute, you'll learn how to fly. He's yeah. like, yeah. I'm going to just make the cliff really big. It's that's that's what I was thinking. Jump off. Kid and <laughs> it was a lot. So, but if you do that, then you have no other, op- like there's no, yeah. cause if, if anything gets tough and you've got an opportunity to go back to easy and comfortable and safe, a lot of people, they'll do that. Yeah. And that's just, I don't want to leave myself that opportunity because I'll do that also. And I know it. So just cut the cord. It's an interesting thing, you know, because that is not my approach. My transition into full-time real estate was two years. <laughs> Heavily <laughs> yeah. calculated. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but it's my it's the, my personality. Yeah, everybody's got their own. And it's almost like you can listen to these podcasts and you can get advice but I love that you know yourself well enough that you said, this is, I know I've made a decision on what I want to do, and this is the way I need to go about it to yeah. be successful. And so you can't just listen to anybody's advice. You sometimes really just have to know yourself and then put yourself in that in that position to yeah. make progress because um, it's not going to work for everybody. No, fight or flight is my general rule of thumb. Yeah. If, I, if I don't have that burning anxiety feeling in my stomach of like, what am I going to do next? <laughs> then like, how am I going to get my next meal? Yeah. Um, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Jordan likes <laughs> to live on just the edge of having an ulcer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just on the edge. But Cave, it, caveman energy. Caveman energy. And it's a fact, dude. It's real. Got to go, got to go get that next kill. Yeah. You know, oh, got to. Um, oh. But it's been good so far. Um, I would say I've, have been thriving. I mean, I'm enjoying life better than I was when I was in sales, making just as much, if not more money than I was previously. But also, yeah. you know, on a Tuesday, unless it's in our weekly meeting, if I want to go play around the golf, I'm going to go play around the golf, yeah. which is what the whole reason yeah. I was talking to Rob when we first sat down and ate lunch. They kept calling me when I was on a golf course. Like, what are you doing? Mm. What are you doing? And it's like, dude, I'm number eight in this entire company of 1500 salespeople. And you're calling you're calling me to ask me what I'm doing with my time. Yeah, I'm yeah. out here on a whole number nine, buddy. Like, <laughs> leave me alone. I've already hit my quota. You know. Well, that's why they were calling you because they're like, "What are you doing? What's the secret? Yeah, What's the magic sauce?" Boy, it sure didn't sound like it when we were on the phone together. It was, "Why aren't you doing more?" Yeah, because <laughs> I don't want to. Because I've already done plenty for I'm your good, company. Man. I, y'all, I'm paying y'all. I'm okay with y'all are paying me. Yeah. Just let me play golf. We're good. We're good. I've never been at a company that has like a, a quota <laughs> where like once you. My understanding is like once you hit it, you get like penalized for doing more, like you make less per. So what they do every single year. Now they'll tell you, you know, that year, once you hit a certain number that you're going to make, you know, extra bonuses. Right. But it's not like levels. It's just like an extra, I don't know, let's call it 5% on every sale that you make. Yeah. But the thing is, is the next year when it comes time to set your quota, they base off of what you've done previously oh yeah so if i oversold it by 40 percent of the year before <laughs> yeah. then they're slapping that 40 percent on top of it now and that's my new quota oh yeah so there's a fine line in sales of like 
you know, How sandbagging much? and yeah. and <laughs> yeah. and trying really hard because there's only so much that an extra five percent yeah. is going to get you. When the next year, you know, you're not going to hit that quota. Yeah, probably right. the next year, you got to plan out big projects because and what I was the business I was in, like the big projects were like millions of dollars, right? Right, and if your quota is like two million, which was like you know, average quota. Then if you had a, a huge sale like the Hyundai plant, you know, that's a million dollars right there in one sale. Right. right. So then you got normally a million dollars every year and just run rate, just people rebuying oh, yeah. stuff, you know, as it is. So you don't want to go too far over. Yeah. yeah. And let the big projects kind Can't of be too it. much of a, a boss. No. Just wasn't a, my thing. Which yeah. is demotivating. It's, and like, it's, de- it's su- That's why I left. That's why you know? had to bounce. Yeah. That's why yeah. I had to say, see you. Hi, happening. Move that. That ceiling. Yeah, and now there is no ceiling. No ceiling. If I really want to work really hard, it shows immediately to me and my family and not, you know, middle management, middle, middle management, and then upper management. Yeah. Like, I don't want to help those guys. I love love the the old quote, and it's everywhere, you know, but it's like, you know, the guy pulls up in a Ferrari, the boss does, and he's like, hey, man, if you work really, really hard and you, you come in diligently... Uh, you're you'll buy me one of these next year yep. too. <laughs> That's like, a fact, dude. It's so true. But it's a fact. So switching gears, you've um got a few rental properties under yep. your you know ownership and everything. What what deal has been your favorite one so far? You've done a few flips, you know, so you've got some experience I in would deal say, structuring. What's what's been your favorite? Um, you know, I would say the seller financed deal right out of the gate was pretty cool you know because that was kind of like what was that my first year probably doing Mm -hmm. this that that popped up you're probably six months in yeah six months in and it was like got all this cash in my bank account what are we going to do with it we got to invest in property that's our plan right that one was fun in the fact that i learned a lot and i acquired property without having to bank which is great because i just quit my job so a bank wasn't going to touch me yeah um that was the learning part of that was fun but i'll tell you the that the flips are more fun. Mm-hmm. They're more fun. There's something about seeing a property go from disrepair or be in really bad shape, turn it into something nice that you can see a family move into. I think yeah. that's probably the most fun. Yeah. And finding them is the most fun. Yeah. I think. Um, you pulled the rabbit out of the hat on your first deal, getting the, the seller finance. I didn't even know what I was. If I didn't know what I knew now, <laughs> it was a little spoon feeding. Yeah, it was yeah. a little bit spoon feeding. It was. It, it was. It was definitely spoon feeding. Well, it's funny because we. I mean, all the time people reach out to us and and they're like, "Hey, would they? Would the uh, owner, f- you know, entertain seller finance?" And I'm like, "You're looking for the needle in the haystack." Yeah, buddy. A. And B, really, seller finance comes from relationship, like not from a straight up cold call yeah. um, to someone. And so um, that's why it's so difficult. And they take time. They take, take follow time. up. They take relationship building. Um, and it's just funny. I think there's a misnomer on how you get seller financing. And it's not calling a random realtor and just no. asking if they're willing to sell or finance. No. And because if they're willing to sell or finance and it's worth anything, um, I'm taking it. 100%. Myself. So, you know, if it's not worth it and it's terrible terms, then, yeah, I'll pass that on. But people that call, I mean, I do feel bad because they are doing what they're supposed to do, which is trying to find that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. But if it's a really good deal, I'm sorry, but, I mean, we're taking it. That's why I got in this industry Yeah, was to be able to find those first and be able to take those, take advantage of them. Yeah. 
What um what would you say the the top three lessons you've learned in the last couple of years of being being in real estate? Mm. Um, I would say that relationships are the most important thing uh, that that a person has. Um, don't burn bridges with uh, people who could help you. Um, and I would say be if you are not good at time management then find somebody who can help you with time management i think those are probably the three biggest Mm -hmm. three biggest Mm. things because i'm terrible at time management like my new details and and keeping up with things i'm not very good not very good who helps you with it callie oh yeah 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 and then built in time management yeah Yeah. (laughs) whatever whatever she doesn't help me with is uh pretty much just going to get lost in the shuffle. Oh yeah. yeah. Probably. And I accept that for who I am. I'm okay with that. So how do y'all do it? What does that um, look like? I would say, you know, her, she pulls together a schedule. Um, it's not like a schedule schedule, but we've just got a massive calendar in our house. Mm-hmm. Ones mm-hmm. that like, you know, are this big. Oh yeah. And we just write down everything that's coming in yeah. the week ahead because I'll double commit in a heartbeat. Right. You know, if somebody says, "Hey, me and the boys are going to have dinner Tuesday. You want to go?" It's hundred percent. Yeah, I want to go. <laughs> you know? Just for the podcasters, when he said this big, it was like six foot big. It's six a big calendar. Big. It's big. It's as big yeah. as my. He has and I he look. has a whole wall committed yes. to this calendar. It is actually a whole wall committed to the calendar. Yes, uh, and if she doesn't put stuff like that on there, then I'll just commit to dinner with the boys. Yeah. So I got to keep up with that. Right. Um, and when she leaves her job, I think it'll be it'll help my real estate side be a lot better because of that. Oh yeah. Because I think she'll be able to stay on top of it. Yeah. Hopefully, they're not listening now. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they are. <laughs> Maybe it is what it is. Maybe that's showbiz. That's showbiz. You know. <laughs> you heard it here first. You heard it here first. <laughs> that's showbiz. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's. I think that's a really good one is having someone to balance out your weaknesses very in this much business because we all have weaknesses yep and this business is gonna expose them one way or the other it's if it's not this it's that yep and I think that really ties in well with relationships and like you know growing involves it probably is not you fixing your weaknesses it's a lot more finding other people that can be strong there. Some people don't understand their weaknesses. Right. Which is, you know, that's a problem. That that is a problem. Yeah. I don't have that problem. I know what I'm weak at. I just, either I'm just going to stay weak at it or somebody's going to help me. There's no in between. My weakness is I care too much. (laughs) Yes, it is. What a weakness. I love that joke. I I, I just, I love too much. I care too much. Just... Uh, You'll be great in a job interview. Just be blunt about your weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Management. uh, No. Not for me. Yeah. I was very good at interviews. It is true, though. I mean, knowing your weaknesses and getting in your sweet spot is is important, you know. And, and, you know, as much as we want to kind of refine and not be, you know, like a balanced person, I think we all strive to be somewhat balanced. I think it's a misnomer that you can be perfectly balanced. Mm-mm. And you really just have to like your best time is going to be spent honing in on your strengths. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And um, 
you know, I've, I've been trying to work on that too, is just like stay, stay in the pocket of what you're good at and start outsourcing the stuff that you don't. It's very hard to, to do. So. It's hard to do that. Well, it is because outsourcing sometimes costs money. Yep. Costs time. Time, you know, money. Yep. All the things. So it's um, true. So what's, what's, uh, what's the future hold for the Holtz? About to have these twins. About That's to awesome. finish up our own flip. Um, and then, um, you know, after we have those twins, Callie's going to leave her job, and then we're going to start our, you know, whole properties group flipping business. Rip and run. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's going to be, you yeah. know. I told her, don't even tell your boss goodbye. Just walk out. Burn that bridge <laughs> so we don't even have a chance to go back to it. After you told people don't burn bridges. That well, was, there's that certain was bridges that you can burn. Well, let me, let me, that's let me. called scuttling the ships. Yeah. See, yeah burn that's, the ships. The burn the yeah, ships. Burn yeah, the ships. The bridges that we're keeping the exactly. ships were burning. Burn the ships. I don't mean like Sherman's yeah. march to Atlanta kind of burn, you know, but a couple bridges here and there that are not that important. Yeah. Uh, or the bridges that we don't want to go back on. Yeah. Are, are worth uh, burning. And we'll see how that goes. I feel like she'll help me in my real estate career on the you know buy sell side yeah of finding properties i think she'll help me stay on top of things with the flips that we're doing um i think she's going to bring a lot to the table that is just going to help our family grow and i'm excited about it and i'm excited the real estate gives you the opportunity to do that yeah Not, not many other jobs you can do that you know a husband and wife can work together on and succeed very cool yeah so very cool excited about that yeah yep Yep. That's good. Top three. We always bring a top three. Or I say always. It's been one week since we decided <laughs> to do this top three. Um, so top three for the week, I thought we would we would talk about um, flips. Okay. So what are what are the top three things that we have found? Because we've all flipped properties yeah. um, at one point or another. Um, what are the top three things that you miss – on like the renovation list and you wish you hadn't you wish you hadn't missed that checkbox if you will does that make sense so like walking through a property well when you walk through a property you buy you get all the renovations going and then you're like oh here's a gotcha yeah (laughs) like that pipe should have been inspected and now i'm having to replace it or yeah yeah make sure you check your plumbing or make sure you check so top three and i think we all have a top three on this one um i would say top three when you're doing your walkthrough check the big items plumbing hvac roof you know i you definitely need to be walking up into the attics to check the roof to see if there's any type of stains because that could be costly same with plumbing and same with hvac um that's on the early stages. Second stages is I think know the competition and know the competition means what's the neighborhood look like. Yep. I've seen a lot of properties listed in places like Inslee that they've done a beautiful rehab on a house, but it's $150,000 too high Yep. because they've got beautiful marble everywhere and they've got all this stuff. You don't need to do that. Yeah. And I think a lot of rookie people make that mistake mm. thinking that you can just make it so beautiful that the HGT TV yeah, it. That's exactly what it is. So I think that's a huge mistake you can't do. Um, and number three, I think is, um, make sure you understand your budget. Yeah. Going in on the front end. Yeah. Cause I've mm-hmm. gone over yeah. on the past two, not by a ton, but yeah, they so, can get out of hand mm-hmm. real quick. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
and to that the to the point of the HGTV like over rehabbing, you know, it's interesting. It's a really nuanced thing. Is there certain areas in Birmingham where you need to rehab it a little nicer than rent ready, or a little nicer than you yep. think to draw in a good buyer? But then you can't go too much because then your budget gets way out of whack. Yep. And knowing those finish, there's a fine line of like, you know, we're not putting in marble, but we're putting in quartz. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a really tough one. Very so, very fine line. And I don't say I have accomplished it, but I've seen some people do a little bit nicer finishes in rougher areas, and it succeeds. Yeah. East Lake is is an area where I think it does I work agree. because it's in that transitional mode. Completely agree. Um, but then yeah, Inslee is not in a transition no. market right now. Mm. So, Rob, what do you got? Top three. Top three items that uh, may be missed on a flip on the front end like just in in the whole process that you that you were like man i'm 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 missed that i would say I the number I... the number one thing that i've lost money on on flips is not getting a permit when i needed one well and getting caught without a permit um <clears throat> because not that the permit really costs anything it's that once they get you on the permit then they throw the book at you and there's a lot of yes gray area in terms of interpreting those codes and how they're applied. And you've um, offended them on the front end by yeah, not so calling you get them. the worst of that, <laughs> the darkest gray of that area. Um, so they'll run up your bill. Uh, that's a big one, you know, getting that wrong. I would say, um, let's see, structural. This is more, I haven't got burned by this, but I've seen structural issues that you look at one or two stair step cracks and think, Oh, that's nothing when you're buying it. But then you get the whole thing cleaned up and a new buyer comes in and looks at it and they see these stair step cracks and they're like, this is a structural issue here. Right. We need to get that looked at. And then all of a sudden you've got a big bill. $16,000. Yeah. yeah. On my last yeah, one. It happened to you. <laughs> yep. I'm just saying it. Yeah. Just seen so it. That's, uh, <laughs> So that's one that'll get you. Um, another one, I'll give another one to Jordan's, the stair treads. Got to oh, do those, yeah. right? <laughs> Got to do those yeah, stair treads. Yeah, those stair right. treads. I remember, <laughs> so you had started that project like as a as a flip to rent. To rent, that was yeah. the plan. Yeah, and then the ran the numbers yes. and just the way it worked out, you're like, I've got to sell this. Well, the renovation would have been fine for rental. Yeah. But, you know... Having to sell it on the yeah. back end was different. Yeah. So I do think that's, I mean, that's more of a symptom of a bigger mistake that can cost you money is renovating for a rental and then deciding you want to flip. It yeah. can run up your bill mm-hmm. or renovating for a flip and then converting to. to rental. You yeah. could have done some extra things that you probably wouldn't have done if it was a rental. So, yeah. You took mine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was. I was thinking. I know he's got to have something. He's running out of stuff. Right. Yeah, I went last. I yeah, put myself that was a mistake. Oh, yeah. Sorry to cut you. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> but it's true. So, so that is one of mine. Yeah. And the thing is, is, is I think there's a lot of people who talk about multiple exit strategies. Yeah. And it is a good thing, mm-hmm. but you got to realize it does chew into your potential. Yep. So I had a property just like that where I actually set it up for rental. And also pivoted to sell it, 
And there was a few things that if I had done slightly differently, I think it would have brought a higher price as a, as an owner occupant flip. Um, it ended up selling it ended up doing okay. But I think, you know, two or $3,000 more on the reno budget would have brought me another five or six K. Is that the East Lake one? Um, it's the one over in Roebuck that I did. Wow. Um, and then I would say number two for me was the, uh, knowing if it's on septic or it's connected, that's a good one. Um, has bit me. Oh, yeah. It bit me on that one. And I think in general, I've seen that with um, other flips of my clients. They're like, wait, I thought this was connected. And you're like, nope, that's on septic. And you got a septic inspection. And septics are a whole thing, especially if they're getting inspected. And it's just going to be a big bill. So knowing on the front end if you're connected or, or, or not. And then I think, too, like, you know, for me, just the mistakes I've made is – removing myself and trusting too much that like the work I asked to be done is done. You know, I had a property that, um, I asked for the plumbing to be all checked out. Everything was good. Thought it was fine. Had some issues with that property with the first renter that was in there and come to find out that the, um, the water had, they had not checked the piping that was underneath the kitchen and the dishwasher and the kitchen pipe, uh, water, um, basically had just been dumping into the crawl space for a month and it's because i i trusted someone to say check check everything make sure it's good to go and they didn't crawl back there and they said no we're good and so um so that was huge i mean it cost me thousands and thousands of dollars on um, lost the tenant over it mm. and um it was all from just trusting trusting what i asked to be done was done so not double checking trust but verify trust but verify so those would be three. But mm. well, Jordan, I appreciate you taking time to yeah. uh, share your life story with us. If anybody and, has seller finance deals, let me know. <laughs> yeah, send them Jordan. <laughs> come, to come to me first. <laughs> come to Jordan. <laughs> um, yeah, this has been the uh, Cash Flow Bros podcast and uh, the Jordan episode. I don't know what we we'll call it, Jordan. Jordan episode, hmm. whatever. But the Jordan episode. Hopefully, y'all are enjoying a little bit of insight into uh, his journey, and uh, re- feel free to reach out to him if you have uh, you need to make any purchases here in the Birmingham market. Yeah, appreciate it. Take it easy. Awesome.